For me, the fall season means baking, even if I'm on a Caribbean island. Using ingredients that my body appreciates makes my beloved cinnamon bun season so much sweeter. That's why I use Bob's Red Mill. Every product from Bob's Red Mill is of the highest quality. It's minimally processed at their own stone mill in Oregon. Their foods are packed with flavors, so you get nutritious food that actually tastes amazing. Go to bobsredmill.com today and browse their huge selection of premium whole grain goodness that you can taste in every single bite. Use the code YOGAGIRL and receive 25% off of all products. Bob's Red Mill makes it possible to nourish myself and my family every day. And in turn, I support an employee-owned company that has been offering organic, gluten-free, and stone ground products for decades. For anyone with a gluten allergy or celiac disease, all Bob's Red Mill's gluten-free products are processed in a 100% gluten-free facility to ensure no cross-contamination. So you can feel safe and confident with Bob's Red Mill. Remember, Bob's Red Mill is offering a fantastic offer to all From the Heart listeners right now. Use the promo code YOGAGIRL at bobsredmill.com for 25% off of all products. Stock up on gluten-free, paleo, and vegan products from oats to flowers and even meals for a healthy family and happy hearts. Visit bobsredmill.com and get 25% off of your purchase with the code YOGAGIRL today. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I'm going to come right out and say it. It's 9 p.m. here in Aruba. I'm sitting in my guest room of my house right now, or actually I'm half lying down in bed. Um, It's a guest room. My mom is sleeping in here right now. She's visiting. Uh, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm so tired. I don't even know how I'm speaking into a microphone right now. I don't know what's happening. I have super intense lower back pain, so I can't even really sit up to record this podcast. I'm propped up on pillows and I'm holding the mic in my hand, which I never normally do. And I have no fucking clue what I'm doing right now. (laughs) I love, I love, I don't know. Is there any other people out there recording podcasts that just kind of do it this way? I don't know. I, I hope there is. Actually, I would love it because I I don't get a lot of chances to listen to other podcasts. I would love to immerse myself more in the world of podcasting because I'm not in it. (laughs) It's just the only real experience I have with podcasts is me once a week recording this one from the heart. And every week there's some other sort of kind of magical epiphany that I have through these recordings. And today, well, this week I've been putting it off like every day I've been putting this podcast off And I don't know why. And now it's literally the day after my deadline. Like this podcast is just about to be released any second and I haven't even recorded it yet. And I'm trying to figure out what is what is happening right now in my life. I I don't know. Um, Let me try to, to clarify a little bit. So I am in the midst of a 200 hour yoga teacher training. It's an intensive and we have 52 people from all over the world. Uh, present here at Island Yoga in Aruba with me for 23 whole days. And it's such a huge milestone for me. It's a, oh, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you. And doing a a yoga teacher training is something that I I could have done it years and years ago. People request so often that um, for me to do a a 200 hour training. And I just, I never felt, I never felt good enough to do it. And this is a big truth. And it's been a kind of a hard and heavy realization for me. And I never felt good enough. I was, 
every year I've, I've been kind of waiting, like, no, I need to have, I need to acquire more knowledge, more wisdom. I need to learn more. I need to find more depth. I'm just not, not wise enough. I'm not mature enough. I'm not good enough. And it's not actually true. Like this idea of me not being good enough. I have a lot to offer. Like I have a lot of <laughs> experience and knowledge and, and wisdom that I, that I have to offer, but I, kind of always walk around with this idea that I'm not good enough for a bunch of stuff. And then, and, 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 and this is a recurring theme. I don't know if it is for, for anyone listening, but I'll have like a dream or something that I want to create and just kind of this magical feeling of, oh, wow, it would be amazing if I could realize or manifest this, you know, whatever it is. And then there's that automatic voice in the back of my head that tells me, oh, but you're not good enough for that. Like, who would want to do that? For instance, recording this podcast is one of those things. I wanted to do it for years. I think at least the past two years, I've been talking about it with my husband and with my agent and with friends. Like, oh, one day I, I really would love to do a podcast show because I think I could do it. Like, I think I could be really good at that. And it sounds like a forum that I would really enjoy. And then I never, ever, ever did it because I had this voice in the back of my head telling me, well, who the hell would want to listen to that? <laughs> like, what would that mean? You're going to do that every week and talk about a different topic. And like, who would want to listen to you speaking for 45 minutes or an hour straight? Like, no, 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 just don't do that. And it's just not true, right? I mean, I, I do have shit to say. and <laughs> I mean, from just the amazing community that is created around this podcast every week, um, we have half a million downloads a month. Can, can we all just take a moment to digest that? <laughs> we have on average like 540,000 downloads uh, of this podcast every month. Can, it's kind of insane. And for the past two years, I've been saying no one wants to listen to me speak. And it's just, yeah, okay, let's just kind of, let me own that for a second. Yes, I have things to say. I might not do it the traditional way. I might not always stay within the framework or within the box. I might not always be planned and structured and professional. <laughs> As proven from me just lying down in bed recording this right now. Um, but there's clearly something that I do in these podcasts that resonate with a bunch of you. And that voice in the back of my head that told me, you can't do it. No one gives a shit. It's not real. And it's my own judgment, you know, reflecting and, and, and surfacing there. So for me to do this 200-hour training, this yoga teacher training, really came from the same place, this idea that I'm not good enough, I can't do it. Um, and, I, and I always kept pushing it into the future. Like someday, you know, I'm going to acquire enough knowledge that I'll be uh, good enough to, to my own level of where I need to be um, to be able to teach other teachers. And hell yeah, I was there a couple years ago. Like what I was waiting for, I guess, is my own acknowledgement that it's okay for me to take up this space and step into this role. Like that's been a really big challenge for me, just for me to allow myself um, to, to shine. That's a big thing. <laughs> and, and speaking, you know, from someone who has a lot of dreams and has a lot of things that I always want to create and realize. And then um, just understanding now that I have that voice in the back of my head all the freaking time. Whatever it is, whatever new idea I come up with, my I, I'm kind of, I'm my number one you know, supporter. And I'm also my number one own like hater. <laughs> no one shits on my own ideas the way I do. Like there's that voice in the back of my head that's just not supportive at all. And I'm starting to become really present with how it works. 
So today, and it's also really interesting that this is the topic that I'm choosing to speak about today, but I'm going to talk about the inner critic, the inner critic. And it's also part of a lot of the personal development work that I am doing currently is stepping into listening to this voice, this inner judgment, um, and how it's always been present my whole life and how it continues to surface. No matter how many great things I do, there is always that part of me that, that says that I'm not good enough to do X, Y, Z. And here I am right now in the midst of leading this yoga teacher training that I told myself for years I couldn't do. And it's just from day one, it's so fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> it's so good. It's so amazing. And the group that we have here, it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. I asked them all. So after it took, we took two days to really arrive and integrate into an intention, like, why are you here? There's something really, um, there's something that's always beneath the surface of a longing to start teaching yoga. Like, why do we want to step from the role or from that space of being the student and I'm practicing yoga for me and this is something that, you know, helps me in different ways to all of a sudden we get to this place where like, hmm, I think I want to do a teacher training because I want to offer this to the world. There's a big shift there. And usually we arrive at that space through something challenging, like through something shitty, through something like difficult that came our way you know, all of a sudden we found enough healing or enough overcoming that we want to turn this around and we want to help heal the world through this practice. And to get there, we have to do a lot of work, like a lot of work. And I knew from the start that I didn't want to have this traditional 200-hour training where, you know, you go to yogaalliance.com like, and just X hours doing this, X hours doing anatomy, X hours doing philosophy and sutras and history and yada, 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 because it's not, it's not what I teach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that I, that I can really own that is, is, is an awesome step for me right now. I am not the best yoga philosophy teacher. I am not the best Sanskrit teacher. I am not the best, um, yoga history teacher either. Uh, what I teach is really, really just around emotions and the heart and healing of the old wounds. And yoga is a really beautiful tool to get there, but it's not the beginning and the end. It's, it's, it's part of, of what I teach. So I've been really nervous of how am I going to fit in this box, you know, of, of the world or of the yoga community or yoga society says that it has to be this way. And actually, I don't teach, my style of teaching isn't that way. It's not very traditional. And, you know, sometimes I curse in class. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like the yoga police is going to come. It's going to come kill me. Yeah, sometimes I curse in class. Like, I fall. I fart. I laugh. I like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm super encouraging of having total halfway insane meltdowns mid yoga practice because I think yoga is a beautiful way to get out of our heads and into our bodies and in the body we we don't need more structure like we don't need more do things the right way do things the perfect way stay color within the lines like do it this way da 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 this is what was taught for centuries I think we need a little bit more like going crazy like 
color outside the lines. Like, what am I feeling in this moment and how can I use yoga as a tool to fully step into that emotion and let it out and let it through? And in yoga, we see little bits of this. You know, maybe some emotion that comes up in Shavasana or something that shows up in um, like a hip opener. And and it's a very controlled environment. And the yoga community, at least a lot of what I have experienced, is very... Mm, I'm struggling with a way to, to say this without insulting anyone. But yeah, a little bit uptight. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I reached a point where I got really sick of everyone trying to be the most perfect teacher and um, you know there's a lot of ego attached to what, what lineage you come from and who your teacher's teacher is and you know how many of the sutras you can reference in your practice and in your teaching and I don't know for a while I was just kind of pretending that I was really passionate about all those things and and yeah I have read the books and I, I, I know a lot of stuff and I've been teaching for a decade and it's just not where my passion lies. So I think a lot of my struggle of wanting to create a yoga school and actually, okay, if I'm going to teach teachers how to spread the art of yoga, like I want it to be in a way where I can authentic, authentically say that this is the type of teaching that um, that I fully support. And it's not that structured and within the lines that that maybe a lot of yoga schools are. It's definitely not what my first 200 hour training was. Holy smokes. No, not at all. And I've shared little bits and pieces of that before. Um, I, if you can't tell, I'm in kind of a funky mood <laughs> right now. Uh, I, I always really try my absolute best to never insult anyone in this podcast and never um, call anyone out for anything, but I'm kind of in a, in a funky mood and I've been trying to figure out why that is. So the reason I'm like lying in bed right now recording this is because I have insane lower back pain and I don't normally have lower back pain. I have when I have back pain, it's my upper back and then it sticks around for a long time. And now I'm just in this lower back sensitive space. And I woke up with that today. And have you ever had a day where just you wake up with something that isn't great and then you bring that energy into the next moment and then something that isn't great happens then and then you bring it into the next moment and then it's not so awesome and then at the end of the day, you've just had a shit sandwich of a day. <laughs> That's been my day today. And I'm having a hard time like really integrating and figuring out what's wrong with my day because I'm in the midst of this amazing teacher training where on day five, like the group is so open. Like we have so much amazing release and processing of emotion and like epiphanies and realizations and Everyone is putting their, you know, we write our intentions on the big wall of Island Yoga uh, in the changing room. We have a huge wall that's just one giant blackboard. Every single intention that's put up on this board uh, is about the heart. Like no one shared anything about flexibility or strength or body. Like no one is here for just asana, like at all. And it's everything I've ever wanted. It's everything I've ever wanted. Every single person of these 52 people that we have here they're the right person. Like they're my kind of person, my tribe. I'm starting here. We're building something amazing at Island Yoga and it's day five and somehow I'm having a crappy day and it doesn't fit with the fact that I'm so stoked out of my mind with what's happening in this teacher training in the group. So I'm trying to figure it out. And I guess this podcast is kind of about that, I guess. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. 
Life's supposed to be a journey of seeking and discovering the big meaningful things, love, purpose, experience, but not trying to find your keys. Eight years ago, Tracker changed everything when they released their first ever tracking device. And now they've done it again with the all new Tracker Pixel. With Tracker Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things ever again. My husband and I have a busy schedule and a little girl, three dogs and two goats. Digging through the house to find our phones and keys that disappear all the time is just not a game we have time to play. What's more, our dog Ringo is the master escape artist. So we now use a tracker on our keys, wallets, and on Ringo's collar when we go for walks. Tracker to the rescue. Tracker Pixel is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. Place Tracker Pixel on whatever you tend to lose, your keys, your wallets, even your dog's collar. It's small enough to fit anywhere. Whenever you misplace an item that has a tracker pixel attached, use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It even has powerful LED lights so you can find anything even in the dark. Lost your phone? Well, just press the button on your tracker pixel and your phone rings even if it's on silent. You can even locate your item if it's miles away because every tracker user is part of the largest crowd locate network in the world. And tracker's 30 day money back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose. Go to the tracker dot com slash yoga girl to get 20% off of any order. That's T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash yoga girl for 20% off the tracker.com slash yoga girl. So I woke up this morning with this insane lower back pain and weirdly enough, uh, Leah Luna, my baby girl, she slept the entire forking night. Um, does anybody out there listen or watch The Good Place on NBC? <laughs> the Good Place with Kristen Bell. If you haven't watched The Good Place, oh my God, please just do yourself the ginormous favor and start watching it right now. So it's on Netflix, The Good Place. It's the funniest, the best show. Um, it's basically about this this woman who dies and she ends up, when you die, there's a good place and a bad place and she ends up in the good place. And in the good place, you can't curse. So instead of saying fuck, she says fork. And now I just can't stop saying fork instead of fuck. So <laughs> anyway, that's where that comes from. So um, my baby, she slept the whole night and she slept such a heavy sleep that I started freaking out that maybe she had died. <laughs> I mean, it's so absurd. Any mother, I'm sure you can resonate with this or like recognize yourself in this at some point. We have a little monitor monitor that we use. So when we're like having dinner or watching TV or something at night, she's sleeping. Like she's a light sleeper. So I can always hear her stirring a little bit, like moving, shifting side to side, turning around. And then last night from the moment I put her down, she was just like dead asleep, making zero noise. I had to go up and like check like, oh my God, is she breathing? Like, why is she so quiet? And she's breathing. She's just was just sleeping such a heavy sleep. So I think I was up there like five times just in the evening before I went to bed. And then I went to bed and normally I feed her like at one or at two. Um, She feeds or nurses once a night and she slept through the night a couple of times, but it's not that common. Like she usually feeds once a night and that's like our thing. And I'm loving that. And then I wake up at two and she's still asleep. And then I had to like get up and I go to the crib and she's asleep in the same position that she was like at 10 when I went to bed. So then I'm like, okay, wait, like, is she, did she just for some reason stop breathing right now? So I'm almost climbing into her crib so I can get close enough to see her chest. Like, and I can't see if it's like rising or not. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I wake Dennis up and I'm like, Dennis, help me like find out if she's breathing. And he just looks at her. He's like, dude, she's fine. Like chill. (laughs) 
and I couldn't chill. And then it took me easily like 30 minutes to, okay. And then she like moved a little bit and I'm like, okay, well, she's alive. Why is she sleeping so well? <laughs> like I spent the past months complaining that she hasn't been sleeping and now she's sleeping amazingly well. And now I'm complaining about that. Like, come on. And then I wake, woke up at like three, at four, at five, at six. She just didn't wake up to nurse. And instead of just enjoying my full night's sleep, I was up every forking hour making sure that she was alive and breathing. And then, of course, you know, at 6 a.m., she was awake and hungry. And I'm just, just so totally exhausted. And I think the stress maybe of going up and down and just kind of leaning into her crib <laughs> once an hour for 12 hours, maybe that's why I have some lower back pain. But anyway, that's kind of how my morning started. And then from there, like I just had like a woke up like stressed over this and just not feeling amazing or awesome. And then I had this pain. And then the next thing that happened is just like my my mom is here and my sister is here uh, helping with the baby for for the teacher training and Dennis is here. And then Dennis was like annoyed at my mom um, for something. I can't remember what. There was like a little tension at the breakfast table. Like it wasn't a huge thing. And then uh, my mom drove me to work and she was going to pick up paint because we're painting uh, Luna's room so we can get her her own room soon. Um, and then right after that, like I started fighting with Dennis about the stupidest forking thing <laughs> and it's honestly it's such a stupid fight I don't even want to like talk about it because it's embarrassing of how ridiculous that we even fight I okay I'm going to share it anyway so we have the most amazing problem anyone has ever had ever I'm embarrassed to even speak this out loud but I've shared this a little bit in my Instagram story we're building a pool <laughs> here in our backyard. We've lived here for four years in this house. And since we moved in, it's been a dream of mine to, to manifest like a pool in the backyard. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I really want to, because we live in Aruba, it's super hot and warm. And uh, like, we're pretty close to the ocean, but not that close. And we get in the car and I was like, you know, having a baby and having like a little pool in the backyard where we can, like a little saltwater pool where we can swim in the day. Like that would be so amazing. And then over the past four years, it's been like something that we really worked toward creating. And then this year is the year where we like saved up enough money and we're doing it and it's awesome. And then me and my husband, like Dennis, we're very different in this way. Like I like to, if I want to do something, like I want to do it now. I want to just go for it and get it done. I, I hate waiting for stuff. I'm very impatient. Um, I, I'm really bad at just biding my time. Um, so for me, the fact that we've had like four years and that this pool that I've wanted for so long still hasn't been realized or like manifested has been like, oh, and now the baby is, you know, she's eight months and she loves the water so much. And then like two months ago, I was like, you know what? Like I've worked so forking hard this year. Like it's absolutely insane. We never do anything for ourselves. Like we just like we never splurge on anything. And Dennis is a really modest guy, like doesn't like to spend money on anything. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to get this forking pool now. And of course he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, come on. No, no, no. We have to plan this out. We need to take our time. Should we go to the bank and get a loan? Should we do this? Da, da. And we have to plan it out with a garden. And, you know, we like, let's take, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to, no, I don't want to wait. Like, we, I want to do this now. And we have my entire family coming here in December for Christmas. I was like, you know what? If we do it right now, like we can have this done by mid-December. Like we can do it now. And I just kind of made the executive decision of like, fork it. <laughs> We're going to have this happen right away. Um, and that's what's happening. So they're building now in the backyard. They've been like excava excavating and 
today they pour the concrete and like this amazing thing is happening and I'm so freaking excited about it. And then for some reason, like me and Dennis have, of course, this is rooted into something else. Like we, we, we rarely fight, but over the past couple of months, we've had a recurring like theme of a fight that's kind of, it surfaces when we're stressed or when one of us feels overwhelmed and then it goes away and then we're fine. And then it like comes back. And it is the struggle with fully settling into our roles as parents, um, balancing that with work. Yeah, it's really hard. Like it really is really, really hard. And I mean, we do it a really untraditional, like a non-traditional way because I'm the mom and I'm the woman, but I'm also the one who's like working, like now I'm working way more than full time. So Dennis is home with Luna a lot, um, which he loves. And it was kind of how we had decided things from the beginning. But it's, of course, a really big transition from him for him. And he's used to working really hard and at the studio and managing, you know, administrational stuff and money and like he's always the behind the scenes guy and now he's had to take a really big step back so that he can um so yeah so he can be home with the baby and of course i understand like you know this is a big shift and also being uh i guess in the male role of like you know that traditional idea of being the provider like there's a big transition that's happening there and i understand like it's a struggle and it's a struggle for me because i don't want to be away from her So I kind of, if I'm working really hard, I kind of walk around feeling jealous that he's with the baby in the day and I'm missing out on things. And then I come home and they have this super bond and I was away all day and I just like, oh, you know, it's, it's really hard. And then he's looking at me like, I get to do this thing where I'm fulfilled and I'm working and feeling super purposeful every day. And, and he's just home with the baby, you know? So we both have our own struggles and, I don't know. We've had uh, the last podcast we recorded was like a couple of months ago. We talk about this a lot. Um, But this fight that we have is recurring. And I know Dennis's like big struggle is that he sometimes feels like I make too many of the big decisions in our family. And I'm the doer and I'm the goer. And I'm like, you know, go, 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 working, doing all this stuff. And then now he's kind of home with a baby. And it's a challenging transition. So the fight that we're having now, which is like so forking stupid, um, we are like really tight with the final piece of the budget to get this pool to be finished, which is like, it's a, such a luxury problem. It's a joke. And it's important for me that we finish like the deck around the pool so that we can, you know, enter and exit the pool and like chill by the pool and that Luna can like, you know, crawl around or whatever. And then it's really important for Dennis that we don't have sand and dirt enter the pool. So he wants to lay like gravel or something, stones or something like in the garden because we live on the North Shore and there's a lot of wind and dust or whatever. This is what it is. And this small discussion of like where we should put the last piece of the money that we have saved up for this has escalated and escalated and escalated and turned today turned into like a ginormous fight. <laughs> And I mean, like, there's so many real, like, issues in the world. There's so many, like, big things and real, genuine, awful things to fight about. And we're fighting about, like, the detail of how we will manifest the final piece of the puzzle of this luxury dream that we, you know, that we're manifesting. Like, we have the same thing that we want. And then we had this huge fight today and we're just like fighting about this stupid thing. And then I am overwhelmed and tired and my back hurts. And I'm just like, Ugh. and, and of course, like sitting with it now, like, I know it's not about the forking pool. I know it's not about the forking garden. Like it's about a way big, bigger, way deeper issue of like, what are our roles like 
in this family constellation? Like, what are our roles as parents? Like, who's, how's this going to work? And if one of us isn't content, like, how are we going to manage and shift that? And, you know, it's a, it's a big thing to feel purposeful and to, like, there's a lot cooking beneath all of this. Um, but yeah, I'd rather go deeper into that, um, maybe in another podcast episode with Dennis so that I'm not just talking over his head here. Um, but anyway, so then this stupid fight like escalated into something really bad. And then I had to like leave the house while we're fighting, which like I really hate. So we're like in the midst of a fight without like clearing the fight before we were done. And then I get to work and then like, you know, stepping back into the group where I get to super immerse myself in everything. And I just forgot about everything else. And then we had a break and then I'm trying to pump because I'm like breastfeeding. And then when I'm away, I have to pump. And then I'm so annoyed with Dennis still about this thing that I... I couldn't pump and I'm sitting there with a breast pump and like nothing is flowing and anyone who's ever pumped, which is basically like the shittiest fucking thing. It's nothing. There's nothing, nothing exciting about sitting with a breast pump. It just wasn't working. And then I didn't come home on time and then I get caught into a weird fight with my mom and then Luna didn't want to fall asleep. And then we left the house and when we came back, the oven was on. So they had like the oven had been on for five hours at the house and then my mom dropped my favorite like rose quartz crystal and it broke. And then in the midst of that, and I'm just like fighting with Dennis, I'm annoyed with my mom. Luna doesn't want to sleep. My back is killing me. I'm exhausted. I don't understand why I'm having a shitty day because my life is fine. And then I realized, oh, I haven't recorded the podcast. <laughs> and basically... I just lay down in bed with the microphone and here we are. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Sleep, my new obsession. Sleep training my baby is one of the most intense and rewarding challenges of my life. That reward, a baby who knows how to calmly fall asleep on her own and a mom who gets to sleep through the night most nights. It's better than winning the lottery, people. Well, want to know one of my secret weapons? Betting from parachute. Parachute creates its products with conscious standards that align with my biggest values. Parachute manufactures its products in family-owned factories in Europe's regions that are renowned for creating amazing bedding. Every product is carefully crafted by fairly paid employees and the fabrics are 100% natural made, without any use of harmful chemicals or synthetic softeners. Parachute also gives back locally to Habitat for Humanity and globally to the United Nations Foundation Nothing But Nets. Over 12,000 life-saving bug nets have been donated to date. With a modern design of timeless natural collar palettes and fabrics that only get softer with every use, your bedding creates an absolutely beautiful impact in your home and our world. Make every bed in your home into the reward that you deserve. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns. And check out the new baby collection including swaddle blankets, quilts for tummy time, and cashmere baby blankets as well. You and your family deserve this next level sleep experience. Trust me. Visit parachutehome.com slash yoga girl for free shipping and returns. Try it out for 60 nights. And if you don't love it, just send it back. No questions asked. Go to parachutehome.com slash yoga girl today. I don't know. And now I don't know what, you know, I don't know if there's any like, awesome takeaway of anything that I'm sharing I guess the beauty of sharing this stuff is that you know we're all just human beings and we all struggle with the same shit <laughs> we all struggle with the same shit it's just not easy all the time and for me also I guess it's a big reality check to vent these things out loud because I take shit for granted like I take stuff for granted a lot 
Um, and I think when I'm just immersed in something really great, um, it kind of bugs me that it takes so little for me for to have my whole uh, my whole mood shifted. Like my life is beautiful. Like it's really, really, really good. The issues that I have, they're like absolute total luxury issues. But I also don't want to minimize them because they are here and they're present and they're real. Right. So when I have a shitty day or my back aches or I'm fighting with my husband, like that's a real thing. So I want to acknowledge that and like see that it's a valid thing to feel this way. Like I'm not, you know, just because I have a good life, it's not like I don't, um, you know, I don't have the right to sit and feel lousy at times. I really, I really do. And then there is that voice, right? That inner critic, that that voice in the back of my head that's throughout this day, like constantly telling me to like, well, chip her up, like, you know, be happier, like just soldier on, like brush it off, do better. And that voice in the back of my head, it's just always telling me to improve something. Like I always can do better, whether it's like I can lead the teacher training group even better. I can immerse myself even more, even though like I'm basically spooning them in class. I love them so much. I'm pouring myself into them. You know, my that voice in the back of my head is like, you know, I should probably like have breakfast and lunch and dinner with them and sleep in their beds with them. And <laughs> like the voice in the back of my head, no matter how hard I work, it's never enough. And no matter, you know, objectively, like how much I think that my point of view is like, valid in whatever fights or issues I have with my husband the voice in the back of my head is like well it's just like stop you know just like let him have his way like just let all of this go and just you know find something to be like really happy about life is so good and then it's you know the truth of this is if I have to continuously push toward being happier and happier and happier and every time something hard comes my way that voice in the back of my head goes like what the hell do you have to complain about just like be happy well, if I'm not happy in that moment, like there's a reason that that's the case. There's a reason that all of this stuff surfaces. And I don't think it is healthy to just tell yourself like you're fine, soldier on and then swallow it and then pretend like everything's great. Um, if it's not, right? And right now it's just, you know, objectively life is good and awesome. But I guess beneath all of this, I'm just probably really tired. It's like also like a very, very much a mom thing for me to say. And I can sense and see that correlation between that negative judgmental voice in the back of my head and how it gets louder when I'm exhausted. Like when I'm exhausted or when I'm not taking care of myself, that's like that voice has more space to grow really, really loud. And some of the work that I've been doing, I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, I'm doing a lot of personal development work specifically around self-compassion, self-love, and what to do with this inner critic, with this inner judgmental voice, because we all have it, like it's there for all of us. Um, depending on how aware we are and how objective we can be of the fact that we are not that voice, that voice that tells you that you're not good enough, like there's a gap between that voice and who you actually are, like your, your actual like genuine core, especially if you can listen to that voice and de or disidentify um, from it. And part of the work that I'm doing now is we're creating something really amazing in the online sphere. So I can't talk too much about it yet, but it's a new type of, it's like a tech project that I'm, that I'm 
working on it might just change the world, but it's about how we can take this emotional work. So the work that um, that I do as a yoga teacher, that's about the heart and about allowing emotions to surface in a healthy way, about, um, about developing more self-compassion. Like how can we take that and scale it in a way so that it's not limited to whoever can show up and be here in the room? Right. So if you can't afford to like do a yoga teacher training or come to a retreat or go to a studio and take classes every day or whatever it is, you know, go to therapy or whatever it is that you do that um, that heals you. You know, how can we uh, use the online world to scale it and create something that's accessible to help change people's lives and help help create tools to heal yourself? Um, but not just for a limited amount of people, but maybe for millions. Like, is that possible? Um, yeah, we're really close to be, I'm really close to being able to share more about this project, but it's something that that's, that's coming very, very, very soon. And the work that I've been doing is centered around my own vulnerability. So my own, my own level of self-compassion and self-love. And part of this is I got to take a test, like a really in-depth test about, you know, how self-compassionate am I? And then I'm looking at myself from the outside. I'm like, well, I'm like really, like, I'm really good at the self-love thing. <laughs> I teach it. I write about it all the time. I talk about it all the time. Um, I'm really good at looking in the mirror and like, you know, focusing on the good things. And I'm good at giving myself credit. And I'm, I'm good at sharing and venting and being vulnerable and speaking about the things that are hard for me. Like, I'm pretty good at like showing myself love and, and stuff. And then I did this this test, and even as I did the test, I had that voice at the back of my head where, where, that was like, "You're probably nailing this test. This test is like, you're 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 really good." And I got a really shitty result. <laughs> like, I was below average when it comes to showing myself self compassion, like below average. <laughs> and I was so shocked by this. Like, I just couldn't really believe it and the part of the test or the parts I guess of my personality where I uh, where it showed up through the test that I was really struggling is letting myself fail like that's a big thing so letting myself fail um, the standards at which I hold myself uh, the standards of success I guess I think that was the term that I measure myself against all the time um, which basically correlates to the fact that I never take a break. I always feel like I have to work harder. I always feel like I have to do more. And if I ever do like take a break and relax, I feel super guilty. Like I never sleep in no matter what, like I never sleep in. And if I ever like, okay, if I ever sleep in, I have to have a reason. Like I didn't sleep all night because the baby was up all night. So I can take an extra hour here. And even then, like, I feel kind of guilty, like I could have done something better with that hour. Is anybody else at all like, like this, or am I just totally weird? I don't know. Or I have to feel for me to take a real break, I need to deserve it. Like I need to have worked really, really, really hard. I need to have created something really huge. I need to have like really exerted myself in some shape or form. And then I deserve to take a break. And when I was doing this work, um, the guy, so so one of the, I don't know, i calling him my personal therapist, which isn't really what it is. I don't know how to phrase this, um, but asked me like, okay, but do you really need to like, what if you just want to take a break? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do you have to deserve to rest? Like, can't you just rest because you want to rest? Because you long to rest? And it was a totally foreign concept to me. I have never never even like contemplated the idea of just 
just taking a break, like just stopping, um, unless it is because I really deserve it or because, you know, I've done something so big and so, so intense that like, okay, I'm going to take a day now and go to the beach because I just led like a really intense retreat. Then I do that. But to just give myself that break for no reason other than I just want to do it. Never, never, ever contemplated that. You know, so I hold myself, I measure myself against these super high standards that I have to perform all the time. And that shit is fucking exhausting. And I didn't really know, like, I haven't really been aware of that fact. And, you know, not letting myself fail at anything, it means that I, I have to always exceed my own expectations. I have to always do really well. I have to always do great stuff. Um, and, you know, that that means that I never say no to anything, almost ever. Um, and if there's something that I feel like, oh, this is like scary or, you know, I don't know if it's any inclination of like, well, that might help me grow or grow the business or grow the studio or for me to grow as a person. I always say yes, even if it gives me a lot of anxiety and I force myself to do it. But now I'm starting to realize like what part of me, like what is it in me that I can't just like love myself and give myself enough self-compassion to just be the way I am? Like, is it not okay for me to just be Rachel and just, you know, be human and sometimes fail and sometimes not too great and sometimes not want to get out of bed and sometimes want to sleep in for no reason and, I don't know, lie on the couch and watch forking Netflix and just do nothing? Like, can I just do that without feeling guilty if that's the case? Like, it's a really, for me, this is, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm digging into something that's new. Uh, and the fact that I, I scored fairly low on that test, like that was a, it was a big eye opener for me. It was a really big eye opener for me. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Taking photos of those priceless moments means everything to so many of us. And these days, it's only getting easier to do. Well, what isn't easy is taking those moments from your device into your home so you can view it in your day-to-day -day life. Well, you can take your special memories out of your phone and onto your wall with FrameBridge. FrameBridge is the easiest way to custom frame your art and photos in minutes without ever having to even leave your house. Go to framebridge.com and upload your photo from your computer or directly from Instagram. If you have a physical photo or artwork, they provide secure prepaid packaging so you can mail it in for free. Preview your photo online in your selected frame style or get free help from their talented designers. Then wait days, not weeks, for the expert team to frame and deliver your finished piece right to your door ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, prices at Framebridge start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, all From the Heart listeners will get 15% off their first order when they use my promo code, YOGAGIRL. Framebridge even offers a happiness guarantee, so if you aren't 100% satisfied with your order, they will make it right. I love placing sentimental art and photos around the house. I can turn my whole day around when I look up to see the photo of my baby learning to crawl for the first time. With FrameBridge, our home is now filled with even more of my favorite memories. Get started framing your photos and art today. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code YOGAGIRL and you'll save an additional 15% off of your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code YOGAGIRL. Framebridge.com, promo code YOGAGIRL. And I'm trying now to sit with, okay, well, how can I become more compassionate? How can I, um, toward myself? Because I know like how I show up for the rest of the world. And this is also a big thing. So what I've learned throughout this work is um, there are three types of people in the world. Um, there are givers, 
um, people that give and give and they want to be of service to others and rescue others and help others and fix others and they give and give and give no matter how full or empty their own cup is. So there's givers and then there's takers, so people that um, you know take other people's energy that are always grabbing and kind of bringing more to themselves to fill their own cup. And then there's matchers, which is the type of person that will match with whoever they're spending time with. So if they're spending time in a group of givers, they become giving. And if they're spending time in a group of takers, they become taking. And then so the question was, okay, so there's science on this, like actually um, real extensive, big scientific studies on what type of person is the happiest person and what type of person um, is the least happy. So they asked me to guess, like, okay, so who do you think is like the least, uh, the least happy of all? Like, where is their mo- the most depression, most anxiety, most eating disorders, like lowest self-esteem, like really like scientifically proven, like which type of person do you think is the least happy? And I was like, damn, I don't know. I mean, I hope it's the takers like that are like the least happy. No, it's the givers. The givers are scientifically proven to be the least happy people that give and give and give and give and then they asked well who do you think are like the most happy like the most you know where they have more success more abundance more contentment feeling fulfilled in their lives you know and I'm like I don't know like is it the matchers like who who is it oh they said also the givers (laughs) givers but givers who know how to set boundaries and how to fill their cup first before they give And this really blew my mind. So the least happy people in the world are the givers and the happiest people in the world are also the givers, but givers that know how to set boundaries. So that means when my own cup is empty, I say no and I don't give anymore and I focus on myself and I fill my own cup. And then when my cup is overflowing, then I can redirect that to the world and I keep giving. So the people that know how to set healthy boundaries for themselves, that know how to say no, that know how to really show themselves enough self-compassion to fill their own cup, to take care of themselves first, and then use that abundance to give to other people. Like those are the happiest and most fulfilled people in the world. And I have been really bad at that last little piece, like the boundary of, um, you know, when is my cup starting to empty and how do I fill it up first? Because I like to just keep going and going and going and going and going. And I used to think it was totally normal to lead a yoga retreat for five or six days and then need two months to recover because I would feel so drained. And, you know, or I would need to like, you know, drink a bottle of wine (laughs) at the end of the day because I just couldn't root myself in my own body because I felt so immersed in other people's energy and I would just pour myself out completely into another human being. So now this this work that I'm really trying to do is, first of all, listen and find that boundary, right? So first of all, when am I being really critical toward myself when it comes to giving myself enough compassion and rest and healing and space and the things that I just need because I need them, not because I have to deserve it to get it, but just because I want that. Like, where does that voice tell me that I'm not enough? How can I let something else speak louder? Like how can I become my own friend and really bring forth like some kindness? So doing these exercises today or trying to really listen to this voice today, um, going through all this stuff, like, okay, you know, for instance, like probably like waking up in the morning 
feeling, I mean, I woke up in the morning feeling this total, oh my God, I'm touching on a total truth right now because I'm, oh, my eyes are welling up and I, I'm, I'm almost crying. So I spent the whole night worried that my baby was going to die. Like totally irrational. Okay, I'm full on crying now. Totally irrational, not real, you know, but I was up once an hour checking that she was breathing because I had this fear that she wasn't okay. Is it strange that I kind of woke up to a really shitty day? <laughs> oh God, and that's <sighs> literally my, there's no bigger fear like in my whole life than the fear of something happening to Leia Luna. Like there's no, there's no more paralyzing fear. And it's not until just now that I'm speaking these words that I'm actually making this connection that me spending the entire night obsessingly checking if she was alive I probably set a really shitty tone for my day and I didn't talk about it in the morning. I didn't share it. I mean, I, I didn't, I just had that moment, one moment in the night where I told Dennis and he was like, you're being crazy. I went to bed, but I probably should have shared that and maybe cried about it <laughs> a little bit because clearly there was that huge clog of fear just kind of stuck in my throat, which probably is why that lower back pain was showing up because I wasn't giving myself enough space to just feel that sensation, right? Just to feel that fear of, you know, what if something would happen with to her or that sadness of not being able to rest and feeling just trust and, and assured that she's okay. Like there's a lot of heavy, heavy emotion that sits in that. And I didn't do that. I didn't give myself that space, but I just kind of yeah, what did I do? <laughs> Rushed off and like dove in to teach and stayed really busy and then got into a fight with Dennis, which clearly has nothing to do with our fucking pool. <laughs> um, but maybe more me feeling alone in that feeling. Like, I don't know. Like he doesn't have that same worry as me. And I've had a lot of loss in my life and I don't know, continue to have a lot of loss in my life. He doesn't come from that same background. So he doesn't have that same um, like automatic fear. Like he's not walking around waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I always am. And that the shoe dropping, like of anything happening with a baby, like it's too big for me to even bring to the front of my mind, I guess. I can't even make it like a conscious fear because I don't think I could function. <laughs> like if I made like the fear that I have of something happening to her, if I brought it forth in my daily life, I would not be able to go to work. Like I would not be able to leave her for one second. I would not be able to function as a human being because it's too big. So I think a part of me is like shoving that fear down a little bit every day. And it's clearly creating a bunch of shit <laughs> in my life, like fighting with him about stupid stuff because maybe I don't feel like I have support there like I'm not seen or held in that fear like I think I just yeah need to sit with him and talk about this for a moment because it's clearly a lot bigger than I pretend that it is oh my god it's so funny how this podcast is turning into this now and now <sighs> And then I always feel the automatic urge to apologize when I cry, even though I know like there's beauty in, in this and just letting myself sit with this for a moment. So I guess the question is right now, um, how can I show myself more self-love, more compassion? Like, 
How can I rest? I think I have another, let me think, 18 days of teacher training. So finding out on day five that I might be overdoing it. Maybe I'm kind of overexerting myself and I need to find a really good way to rest and soften and just be with my husband and my baby in a way that isn't rushed or stressed and in a way that isn't me panicking about, you know, someone dying. I think that would be a good thing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So this was good. <laughs> this was good. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is that, and I'm sitting now with this. So my mom dropped this giant, I have this big rose quartz sphere. It's just like a ball of rose quartz. It's the, one of the biggest crystals that I have. It's the bigger than my fist. Um, I just shared it on my Instagram story because it's been on the center of the table in the living room um, for a really long time. And I've been kind of confused with this rose quartz because I felt so drawn to it. Um, and then when I received it, like I haven't really used it in my practice. I haven't, you know, I just kind of sit and I hold it sometimes, but I'm not, you know, doing it anything else with it I'm not moving it around or anything and it has this tiny little stand that it stands on and when my mom and my sister came they looked at it and they're like uh-oh like that thing's gonna roll off the table one day and I'm like well it hasn't for the past month so please don't like push this off the table because like this is a very important crystal and then today at the end of this shitty day you know my mom she bumped it with her leg or something and for the 10 seconds it took for it to roll off the table and then bounce and break like over the tile floor, she just stood there and she said, no, 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 no. And I was looking at her I'm like, what do you mean no? Why are you saying no? Like for 10 seconds. And then I heard it go like boom and it just bounced off the floor. And I'm sitting now and I was so sad about it, like so upset. And I'm like, wow, what does it mean? Like my rose quartz and it's it's full of little cracks now and like it's broken I mean it's still intact but it's like broken inside and maybe this is just a really like a manifestation of like the little cracks that I have in my own heart like the fear that I walk around with in my own heart and maybe I need to let those cracks show sometimes and speak about that pain and not you know not show up as intact and perfect like everything is fine and and all of this but just kind of yeah let that pain and that sorrow and that fear surface so that I can have a shitty moment because I had a hard night and a shitty morning and not let that reflect in an entire day and have a really shitty like full day that's my learning today so looking at this rose quartz sphere right now, it's even more beautiful now. I think I think it breaking just perfected it even more. So whatever you are working with in your own life, hmm, whatever shit is surfacing, whatever hard moments or hard days, I just invite you to sit with that and to listen to that voice in the back of your head and whatever it tells you, if you can become aware of that judgment, you know, if it's there, of that criticism and kind of how can you give yourself some more compassion in this moment, whether it's take a break or to rest or to 
speak a fear out loud or to ask for help. Like that's a big one. It's a big one for me too, to ask for help when we need it. I'm going to, I'm going to show myself some compassion and go to bed. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you. 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 I love you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Huge thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thank you to my sponsors, Bob's Red Mill, Tracker, Parachute, and Framebridge. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.